we're going to talk about being a committed people. Being a committed people. I want to talk about this because we've been talking about different roadblocks that uh, maybe keep us from digging into our relationship with God. You know, the things that, that uh, hold us back. You know, Brian last week talked about these labels that get put on us and that really keeps us from becoming who God really intended us to be because we're wearing these labels around. Um, you know, we've talked about um, temptation and dealing with temptation. We've talked about a number of different things. But tonight I want to talk about uh, this decision because I believe that God is stirring in our hearts individually that we need to make a decision are we going to be a committed people? You have to make that decision. I can't make that decision for you. I can try to coach you into that decision. Um, that's kind of like my whole goal in life, I think. Um, I think it's like on the pastor's like requisition list, like you should try to help people follow Jesus more. Um, I saw that. It's like the third line down. The other ones I don't want to talk about right now. Um, <laughs> but we need to be making a decision. Are we going to be a committed people? Because when we, when we walk this thing out, there's a lot of problems when we try to walk it out and we're not doing it faithfully and we're not walking it committed, right? I mean, we understand that, right? We, we, we've done that and we've experienced that. And we honestly live in a world where a lack of commitment is celebrated. It literally is celebrated. You can literally watch a couple of commercials of the reality TV shows and see how much they publicize how these acts of infidelity are so great and so good to watch. It's a lack of commitment. And so we are indoctrinated with this idea of don't be committed. It's fun to not be committed. It's interesting to not be committed. But that's not what the word tells us. So we're going to talk about this tonight. You know, I, as I was um, thinking through this, I thought about that, that simple uh, old song, right? Um, uh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. These are the foundational things that I feel like God just keeps bringing us back to. Because if we don't get the foundations right, guys, none of it matters. I don't care how hard you slap someone when you pray for them. I don't care about any of that. Because what matters is are we living the foundational principles of Christianity? If we can't get that right, not, the rest of it's just a show, guys. The rest of it's just a show. So we are going to talk about this. We have to change our apathy towards being committed. We need to be a committed people. We need to be committed to his word, committed to his ways, committed to his commandments, his desires, his will. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're going to be reading in uh, verse 57, and then we're going to go all the way through 62, okay? And we are talking, uh, as we start talking about this, I want to kind of set the foundation for Jesus-level commitment. Right, because there's so many different ideas of what commitment looks like and what it means to be committed, and so I want to kind of give you a little bit of a visual into what it means to be committed to the level that Jesus wants us to be committed. Okay, now I will warn you that usually when you look at the level that Jesus wants you to do something, it's terrifying, right? Because it's way more than what everyone else has told us to do. <laughs> everyone else tells us it's okay, you're doing great, don't worry about it, and Jesus is like. Um, no, you need to do this. And you're like, oh man, that's a lot more than what that guy told me to do. And so we're going to talk about a Jesus level commitment. Okay. Luke chapter nine, we're going to start in verse 57. It says this, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes 
and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And we're going to stop there. Um, so part of what I do in my work is uh, we, we do, we are a sales organization, okay? Um, so we've got a number of salespeople. Um, I train people on how to sell. I, I teach them all these things. And it's, it's interesting because when I look at this, right, um, we are supposed to uh, create disciples, right? We know that, right? And uh, when I think about what makes a successful sales pitch, um, I'll be honest with you. Uh, this doesn't really do it, <laughs> right? I mean, when you look at what Jesus said to these people, he's actually got one who says, I will follow you, Lord. <laughs> like, that's a win, right? Like, in a church, if someone's like, I want to join your church, you're like, yes! You know? You're like all sorts of excited and all this stuff, right? And so Jesus has this person who says, I'll follow you, Lord. And Jesus pretty much says, hey, just so you know, I don't even have a home so if you're going to follow me, you're going to keep following me because I'm not going to stop. That's pretty much what Jesus said to him. Now, if you're that guy, <laughs> that's a little intimidating, right? <laughs> that's, that's intimidating. The next guy says, hey, I'm going to go bury my father, and then I'm going to follow you. And Jesus is like, don't even worry about burying your dead father. That, that, like, that's, that's harsh, right? <laughs> Another guy says, hey, I'm going to go say bye to my family, then I'll come with you. And Jesus is like, if you're looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, when I read this, what's interesting is because this is Jesus-level commitment. This is my past doesn't matter, and I am following after the Son of God. This is, this is deep, guys. This isn't like, um, this isn't like um, I want to believe in Jesus, right? This is I'm all in. This is the type of commitment that I believe that God is calling us to. See, this, to, to be a committed people in that way, it means cutting out some stuff, okay? The, the words of Jesus are completely radical here. So radical that if a pastor was to say this to, to his congregation, he would lose a lot of people. And a lot of people would talk about months and even years about how crazy it was that he suggested some of the things that he suggested. But can I tell you something? Jesus said it. I didn't say that. It's in the word. Jesus shows this level of commitment. And while we may see it unrealistic, if some man says it, Jesus said it. And so it's not unrealistic, it's the word of God. It's something that he wants us to walk so closely with him and, and be so committed to him that everything else becomes what it needs to be. It's below him. Everything else in our lives is supposed to be above him. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> wrong. He is supposed to be above everything else in our lives. I don't have a teleprompter, guys, okay? <laughs> you do. Think of it this way. I was thinking about this. I thought, um, you're applying for a job, okay? You get to the final interview with the hiring manager. And the hiring manager looks at you and says, okay, here's the deal. I want to give you the job. 
um, but here are my expectations. You're going to have to travel 24-7 for this job, and so uh, you don't even need a home. So just give up your house and everything. Um, There will be absolutely no time off. When I say you're 24-7, I don't mean you have to take a phone home with you. I mean you're 24-7. And so no time off. You you get sick, no time off. Um, You you lose a family member, no time off. I hired you to do a job, do it, okay? And then uh, lastly, if you want to do this job, you actually have to take it right now um, because you're going to go do something right now and you can't go tell your family or anything, just go. Now, if I'm in that job interview, I'm like, I'm good, bro. Um, my wife would kill me if I just disappeared. <laughs> it would not go well. We have four children, and uh, um, she would find me. I know she would. Um, uh, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be pretty. Most people hearing this would say no. And honestly, it's true today when people actually hear the level of commitment that Jesus is asking for us to make. Too many of us have already said no. Too many of us have already moved on. Too many of us have already uh, really subjected ourselves to a, I want to be careful how I say this, a lower level of Christianity because we're afraid to go all in because we know when we go all in, there are some things that have to come out and there are some things that we have enjoyed, <laughs> Right? There are some things that, that we've enjoyed and, and we've stuck around. And see, when I read this, this whole conversation that Jesus is having here, it's all about commitment. In each of these situations, we find Jesus presenting the reality of the commitment that he wants us to make, guys. That he wants us to make. And it's, just, it's, it's awful when we look at our lives and we say, you know what? I can't even turn off the TV to be in his word. I, I, can't, I can't wake up a little bit earlier to spend time in his presence. And, and it, these, are, these are the small little simple devotions, those simple little decisions that we make, that when we, when, we, when we subject ourselves to that, it changes our entire path, guys. It changes everything that we would experience with him. We want the big, we want the miracles, we want the signs, we want the wonders. You got to start in the little things. You've got to be faithful in that. So why do we say no, right? Like, if you really think about it, if I asked you, who wants the things of God? Everyone's going to be like, right here, I'm in. What's up? Right here. You'd be giving me high fives, and you'd be throwing flowers and stuff. I don't know if anyone has flowers. Does anyone have flowers? Man, okay, um, no flowers today. But everyone's going to be like, I'm in. I want the things of God. I want to have a committed relationship with God. So why do we find ourselves saying no to the small decisions that allow us and really set us up for that type of a relationship? And I think it's because of this. I think the enemy has allowed us to reason ourselves out of a committed relationship with Jesus. The enemy has allowed us to reason ourselves out of a committed relationship with Jesus. We, 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 we find good excuses to explain why we can't stay committed, Right? Well, I've always struggled with this. Well, stop. Right? Ah, you just can't say, no, stop. Just stop. Right? There are some things that it's just literally as simple as that. That's so, so many times we keep going back to the same vices, the same things over and over and over again. And we, we actually make it a bigger deal than it is when Jesus is just like, stop. Just trust me. Just give it to me. Just let me handle it. Stop telling everyone else about it and let me have it. Just give it to me. You know, I, I, I would use the analogy a lot that um, we would, uh, we, we, we take things to Jesus like this. This is how we take things to Jesus. Jesus, take this from me. 
take this from me, and we are never actually releasing what it is. We've wrapped up identities in it. We've wrapped up uh, stories in it. I'm a storyteller, right? I love to tell stories. And sometimes we allow those stories to be good excuses why we don't ever get into a committed relationship with Jesus. Because what we do is we believe him on the surface, but we're actually inside not willing to give him anything. Now, some of that is because we feel unworthy, right? We talk about things like, well, I've got this other commitment. I've really got to be at this thing, and I've got to really go do this thing, and I've really got to do this. Guess what? You don't actually have to do any of that. You, don't, you really don't have to, you know? You think about, oh, I got, to get, I got to get a new car. I got to do this. Well, you don't have to go buy a brand new car. You could just do this instead, right? There's so many things that we, we put ourselves in positions where what we end up doing is we say no to the things that Christ wants us to do because we find other things that we put more importance on. We allow a lack of opportunity, a lack of position, a lack of time, a lack of knowledge, a lack of finances, all these things to keep us from serving God in whatever capacity he wants us to. Bethany and I, um, years ago, we, we were called to youth ministry. We knew we were called to youth ministry. We knew that we were supposed to go in and start ministering to the kids. We had the ability to connect with them, and we knew that God had given us some unique things to do with these students to help them grow deeper in their relationship with Christ, okay? So we did something crazy. We started ministering to students from our house. And you know what happened? I got a call from someone at a church. They were like, you can't do that. I can't do what? You can't, you can't like have like a youth group at your home. Okay, why? Well, because it's not at a church. Okay, why? Because you're not a youth pastor. Okay, why? Because like, here's the deal, man. I have, uh, I have a calling and just because there's not a building that has an open slot where my name can go in doesn't mean that I'm allowed to not follow the calling that God's placed in my life. And I've talked to people who have been like, I just, there's just not a place for me at this church. And they go to another church and there's not a place for me to serve there. And there's not a place for me to serve. And I will tell them, I'll be like, there is a retirement community right up the road. And they would love for you to come minister to them. And they say, well, I'm not. I need to be up there, man. See, we, we excuse some things that God has put in our hearts. And I'm not saying to some people, hey, God hasn't called you to preach. Hey, God's called you to preach. God's called us all to preach the word. And so guess what? It doesn't always have to be on a platform, on a stage. And so we, we take a lack of opportunity and we use it as an excuse. And what it does is it keeps us from a committed relationship with him. Because he wants us to walk in these things. He wants to enable us to do some of these things. And what we do is we put it in a box and we say, this is the box that it's allowed to work in. And God says, this building is, guys, let me tell you something. I love this building. I'm incredibly grateful for this building. I enjoy this building. It is a gift from God. But this is not the church, right? This is not. This is a lot of white paint over bad paneling, okay? <laughs> it's what it is, okay? Lots of white paint. I think I got a little on my brain when I was doing it. See, the enemy will throw everything out there to make you feel good about your lack of commitment. Now, I, I've, I've said this before. I said it um, maybe a few weeks ago that um, one of the sayings that I believe is crippling the church from actually doing what we're supposed to do is this little saying that says, God knows my heart. Because honestly, I, I think if we understood how detrimental this is, um, we would really stop saying it because we use this saying, God knows my heart, to excuse us from actually being committed. We refuse to give 
um, to help prosper the gospel because God knows my heart. We refuse to give our time to serve others because God knows my heart. We refuse to love our neighbor because God knows my heart. And God knows that they're crazy, right? (laughs) We say no because the enemy has literally conditioned us to believe that it's okay to constantly reject what this word says. We have found little ways that make us feel okay inside by saying things like, God knows my heart. And the whole time, we're still not doing what his word says. We have to change this. We have to change the reason why we're saying no. And we have to start saying, okay, I want a committed relationship. I don't want to be here one day and out the next day. I don't want to just show up on Saturday nights and then be someone else on Saturday. We, we need to be a committed people. And when we are a committed people, listen, we don't have to fight to get people in the church. You know why? Because you meet people and they are like, what is going on with you? We were at Penn Station last week, okay? Um, You guys know we go out every Saturday after service, and we went to Penn Station. Penn Station is not on my diet, people. You understand that, right? It is not good diet food. It was good food, but not good diet food, okay? And so um, we're at Penn Station. We've got all these people back here. We're having a great time. And literally, um, my kids and uh, Bethany and Diane and the kids, they come running through, and uh, the lady just happens to say to me, man, you got a crew here tonight. And I always love opportunities like that because I get to talk, right? And so, so I was like, yeah, actually, and got the opportunity to talk to her about the church. And, hey, we all go out every Saturday night and blah, 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 blah. And literally not, not two minutes in the conversation, she looks at me and she says, we were at our breaking point today. Beautiful. Had the opportunity to minister to them, pray with them, love on them. And you know what? Living in a committed relationship with Christ opens doors that right now you are begging to be opened, but because you're not living committed, they're not opening. See, when you set an example, every place you go, everything you say, everything you type, literally, you are opening up a greater opportunity to minister to people. Um, So we got to talk about Bethany. I'm going to ask you to come up here, actually. Um, we're going to talk about this process. She has no idea what I'm going to make her do. Do a cartwheel. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I did. Uh, um, so I, uh, uh, we, we had an event at work, and uh, there was this. Um, I like to do stupid things. I'll just be honest with you. And uh, we were in this big, uh, we were at the Xavier Centos Center, and it was filled with all these people, and we were going to get an award, and um, I'm the award getter, so I get to I get to walk out. They've got this big red carpet, like, I don't know, from maybe he, here to Holly, and so you got to walk this red carpet all the way to the stage and climb up, and so I looked at my team. I was like, I'm doing a cartwheel, and they're like, you're doing a what? I was like, I'm doing a cartwheel. They're like, you don't, you're not, that's not going to look pretty. And I was like, I know, that's why I'm doing a cartwheel. And uh, um, it really wasn't a cartwheel. Um, It was more like a somersault um, that died halfway through. But um, anyways, here's, we have to, we have to get to a point where we become committed to turning our no's into yeses, okay? We have to start turning our little no's that we keep giving to God into yeses, okay? And here's why it's important. Because a committed relationship is visible. It is visible, right? So in our relationship, it's visible that we are committed to each other. Partly because, oh, no, that's not it. It's another one. There's a ring thing, okay? Right? This is visible. This is like my stamp that says back off, dude, right? (laughs) 
I've got one too that she put on me, right? <laughs> it's visible, right? When we are together, we are enjoying each other's presence, right? When we walk, right, we may be holding our hands or whatever. It's visible, okay? Every place that we go, it shouldn't be a surprise, right? If I open a door or if I've got 12 kids on my back trying to get them to the van, whatever it is, okay? It's visible. People see it and people know it. And so, we, it listen, this is what allows people to understand that I am in a committed relationship. Why are we not walking with Christ like this? Why is it not visible to, listen, it should be so visible to the people that you are at. You shouldn't, I don't have to say, this is my wife. Now, I do get in trouble for not saying that, just so you know. Because I'm really bad at introducing Bethany because I'm just so forward, like, hi, I'm, I'm Tom. I want to be your friend, you know? And uh, she's back there like, yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> I do it myself now. Yeah, she's gotten good at it. I was coaching her up for it maybe. Um, but but I, don't have to, I don't even have to state that she's my wife, right? People know it. They can see it. They can understand, right, when we have these four monsters running around us, right, they get, okay, they, okay yeah, they've got kids. They're married, right? And so people, people get that. They see the fruits of a committed relationship. Where are our fruits from our committed relationship? With Jesus. You can go sit down. You're done. Thank you. (laughs) What we have to do, guys, is we have to begin making decisions daily to change our habits. There were little things in our relationship that we started. Okay, when Bethany and I started dating, um, first off, you guys know she was super freaked out about even dating me, right? Because she only wanted to be with the person that God had designed her to be with. That was it. Okay. So literally like every month, ever since we dated, she was thinking about breaking up with me because she didn't know if God wanted her to be with me. Okay. Literally it was to that degree. And it, it was, it's a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. Um, but what happened in our relationship, right? Little things started to change where it became more visible that we were in a relationship, right? So at school first, we were like, we don't sit by each other. We don't talk to each other at school, right? In the lunchroom, she had her lunch table with all her cheerleader friends. And I had my lunch table with all kinds of different weird people. Okay. It's the way it was. My table was the really loud table. I would stand up and shush everyone in the cafeteria. They would get quiet, look at me, and I would just go, hi. That's literally, I was just weird like that, okay? But, but what happened in our relationship is slowly we started doing other little things, right? Maybe there was a promise ring. I wore Beth's rubber band on my finger for a while. Like all these little things that we did that eventually people started saying, oh, yeah, Bethany and Tom, right? Yeah, they're a couple. That's a thing. Little decisions, little things that begin to change our habits, okay? That's what we need to be doing in our relationship with him. I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not reading this um, for you to be like, hey, that weird pastor at Real Church just told me I'm not allowed to bury my dad, okay? Um, remember, Jesus said that. I did not say that. But what I'm saying is the way we get to that, to really live a committed life, is we start with little decisions, guys. It's hard. Listen, I know that it's hard. And there are people that do this, and I think it is incredible that they do. There are people who literally, they get saved, they sell everything they own, and they become missionaries or whatever it is, right? Whatever God calls them to, they just let loose. And that is incredible. But can I be honest with you? I have actually myself never seen that happen with someone that I knew. 
I've heard stories of it, right? I know people who got committed and eventually went through, but it, it usually wasn't like that. There were little decisions that took place that got them to a place where they were fully committed in their relationship to Jesus. And see, we have habits today. All of us have habits. We have good habits and we have bad habits. And then we have like necessary habits. I think there are some necessary habits like showering. That's a necessary habit, right? That's a necessary habit. Um, I, 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 most of you know, I grew up right down the road here and, uh, part of the, uh, prerequisite to live in the Goshen community is you usually have to have at least one, maybe two junk cars. Um, I think my dad had like eight. Um, and so we, we had junk cars, um, around the house and I think it was just like, one of these days it might run again. You know what I mean? It was, it's kind of like holding out hope. Like you never know. I might get the urge to fix it. And it's kind of a thing. I don't know. So, so we, uh, we, we had this car. Um, I don't know if Brian remembers it or not. Um, cause his memory's not as great as mine, but, um, he's getting older, but, um, we had this car that we called the green bomb. Do you remember the green bomb? He does remember the green bomb. He's still got it. People. Um, <laughs> can you turn this mic down over here? <laughs> the, uh, so we had this car that we called the Green Bomb. The reason we called it the Green Bomb is because literally it was breaking down all the time. It was just like, it was always exploding. And there was a day that um, we were trying to move the Green Bomb and it didn't run because it was just one of our junk cars. And I, I, I'm, if I remember correctly, I believe my dad was trying to move it by pulling it with our lawnmower. We did a lot of things with lawnmowers that should not, they're not made for this, but... It worked. So, so I got in the car because my dad was like, here, you sit in the green bomb and you're going to put it in neutral and you're going to steer it to wherever we were trying to move it. I have no idea where we were trying. We may have been driving it with the lawnmower to the junkyard for all I know. Okay. And so, um, so I get in the, I get in the green bomb and uh, the first thing I do is I grab the seatbelt and I put the seatbelt on instantly, like just right away. And I said to my dad, I said, why am I putting my seatbelt on? I was like, and I literally said to him, I was like, it's just a bad habit. And he was like, actually, that's a good habit. Like, it's not like, it's not necessarily a bad habit. And so uh, that's always stuck with me. And I think that how we compartmentalize these habits is what we need to start thinking about. We need to start thinking about the habits that we have. What habits do we have today that are good towards a deeper relationship with Jesus? What habits do we have today that are completely derailing our opportunity for a better relationship with Jesus? That's how we need to start bucketing some of these habits. Some of them are necessary, okay? Showering, again, necessary. You get, I'll give you a third bucket, necessary bucket, okay? But see, we have to do this. John 14, 15, I think she's got that. I'm going to put this up here. John 14, 15 says this. This is, this is Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's really simple, right? It's not, it's not super complex. There's, I don't need to give you some deep theology behind it, okay? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, here's the thing about being committed. Commitment is driven by one thing, love. Love. You want to live in a committed relationship with Jesus, love him. You want to be in a committed relationship with a person, love them, okay? Love them. Love is what allows us to be committed. Jesus knew that because he, he didn't say, hey, keep my commandments and then you'll love me. No, if you love me, 
then the commandment thing will work itself out. It's not that complex. We have to capture a love for God. We need to, listen, they were singing that song, um, How He Loves Us, right? And if we capture that love that he really has for us, and we can begin to give it back to him, Right, that same that same type of love, that same focus of love, that same that's the same heart behind that, guys. If we can begin to love him like this, all these commandments things, all this commitment thing, it will work itself out. But if our love is just you know uh, um, a surface love, a love that says I just I I want to go to heaven, yeah, I love him enough to go to heaven. It's it's you're not going to walk in a committed relationship. And you're going to find yourself dealing with things that you don't have to deal with. You know, we struggle with some of the same things over and over and over and over. That's not what God intended for us. It's not what he intended for us. So how do you break the cycle? You love him. Because when you love him, the importance of the things that he has for you, they trump everything else. They trump everything else. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. Let me tell you this. And I don't think it gets any simpler than this. You serve what you love. You serve what you love. I serve my wife because I love my wife. She serves me because she loves me. It took a while, but she does. (laughs) And just like that, guys, when you look At your life, here's what I want you to think about. What are you serving? What are you serving? Because usually, if you trace back what you're serving, you're going to find out what you really love. You're going to find out where your intent has been. And I believe when we really, guys, when we honestly look at that, what we will find is we will find an opportunity to love him more. To love him in such a way that we could be committed to Jesus, to his will, to his commandments. When we actually start loving him. Because then all the rest of this, I'm telling you, it works out. It works out. When I was, when I was young, I was nine years old when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Okay, Nine years old. I didn't live too rough a life as a nine-year-old, okay? I wasn't in no gangs. Um, they wouldn't let me in. Like, I wasn't, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a bad deal, okay? But I'll tell you, I didn't, I didn't fall in love with God until I was probably in my early 20s. That's when I fell in love with God. That's when all this, we, we had dinner with some friends last night, and uh, she was telling us about uh, her story of coming back to God, And she said, literally, when I came back to him, it was like I loved him. And everything changed. My views on things changed. My ideas on things changed. My priorities and what I did in my life, they all changed. And it was because she loved him. We need to love him, guys. Because when we love him, the commitment part is easy. We need an awakening of love for God. Chris, if you guys would go ahead and start playing that so we get ready to close. I, here's, here's what I want to do tonight, guys. I am going to open this altar up for prayer. 
But here's, here's what we talk about, guys. We need to respond to the word of God. We are called to respond to this word. I believe that God gave us this word. I believe that God is intending for us to be a more committed people. Now, how that, how that response may look for you, it may be you down here praying. It may you be praying where you're at. I, it may be you be saying, hey, Brian, Shauna, whoever, someone pray with me. I need some help because I want to live a more committed life. But what I'll tell you, regardless, we are called to respond to the word. So let's take some time, respond to the word, and let's love God. Amen? All right, let's respond.